Welcome to Mark Connor's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Well, back in uh, May, we had a men's conference, and I shared a message called Boys to Men, and uh, I really enjoyed it, had a lot of good feedback, and so... uh, It's okay for me to enjoy it, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, so I thought I'd uh, kind of remix the message a little bit tonight and uh, share it with the whole congregation over this weekend. Uh, you know, sometimes speaking, uh, preparing a message, a bit like speaking a meal, preparing a meal. How many know it's a lot of work to prepare a meal? And then people just gulp it down and it's done. It's like it's over and you put a lot of work into it. So, you know, when you do a really good recipe, it's kind of worth cooking it up again. And so tonight isn't leftovers. Don't get the, the meta, the meta, this isn't a reheat, you know. Uh, yeah, but sometimes leftovers actually second time around, you know, the, the juices and the flavors can just have soaked in a little bit. So if you're at Redline, you've probably forgotten it anyway. And even if you remember that you're probably not doing it all. So uh, no, I'm only kidding. So uh, if you did hear it, I hope you'll enjoy it again. And if you didn't, I I really pray that it'll uh, encourage and uh, challenge your life tonight. So let's pray. Father, uh, it is good to be together today. Thank you for the opportunity to worship you, to sense your presence here tonight. And uh, Lord, we thank you for all you're doing in our hearts and lives. Thank you for the visitors here tonight. And Lord, I just pray that you'd uh, really speak to every one of our hearts. Lord, we we don't want just to hear a message. We want to hear from you tonight. And we thank you that your word is living. It's alive. It's powerful. And it's actually able to bring about change in our lives. And so we pray for that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. The title of my message tonight is called Growing Old or Growing Up. Would you say that with me? Growing old or growing up. You know, as a boy, I I was really excited about growing older. How many know when you're four or five, you can't wait to get into school? And then when you're in school, you, you can't wait to be a little older to go to high school. Uh, and just really, really excited. And then when you're in high school, you can't wait to get out of school. <laughs> and, and then you can't wait to get a job uh, and start getting some money in the wallet. And then you can't wait to get your own car. I mean, it's like life is about growing older. That's where the excitement is. Of course, now at 46, growing older has lost a little bit of the novelty. Um, <laughs> But, but one of the things I learned is that growing old and getting the new privileges was fun, but growing up and taking on some of the responsibilities didn't have quite the same enjoyment factor. For, for instance, getting a job was great. How many know it's great to get paid? But, but you know, you've got to work before you get paid. And, you know, getting up on a Monday morning, how many love Monday mornings? After a busy weekend, getting up, I worked in the city for five years, uh, you know, that hour trek on the car and the train and, you know, just working all that stuff through is not quite as fun as the paycheck. You know, having your own car is cool. I remember my first car, 1975 Ford Cortina, bright yellow, very safe, very safe color. And uh, again, having a car was great, but paying for the petrol, paying for the repairs, a few little incidents along the way. Uh, One of my first incidents, uh, me and some mates were out in the the Gippsland area and we're kind of driving, doing some, uh, you know, cross-country kind of stuff and (laughs) on the road, you know, and uh, it'd been really wet and we came to this one road and and there was water across the road. We thought, oh, will we go back? No, no, we can go through. And so, you know, we we drove on through slowly. Well, the engine conked and... uh, water flowing. I said, okay, everybody out. So of course, everyone started climbing out the window, except for my best friend, Peter Lee. He opened the door. (laughs) Flooded my car and it took months to kind of get the carpet out and the smell out and the... Not a lot of sympathy from this crowd. 
I remember another day, I, was, I was just got the car, I was about 18, my parents were away, and we lived in this house in uh, Blackburn South, and ha- had a very narrow driveway, a-, a fence here, and the brick house here, and the garage down the bottom. So I'd kind of backed it up to the top of the hill, and I was about to leave, and I realized I hadn't locked the door. So I got out of the car, left my door open, and the engine running, put the handbrake on, and went to the to the house with my other key that locked the house. And as I came back, I was looking at the car and the car started to roll down the hill. I had to make a decision in that split second. What am I going to do? Let the car run and crash or, or get in there and try to stop it. So guess what I did? I jumped in while the car's moving. I'm trying to get in the, in the car. And, and as it goes down, the car crashes into the side of the brick house. And I, a bit hard to demonstrate, but I've got my leg in the door and, and the car crashes. There's no one there. There's no sympathy. There's no one there to see my misfortune. In fact, the, the, the car stalled and I had to put my left foot in because my right foot was jammed and start the engine up and then pull the car out just to get my foot out. And my whole car was all dented on the right side. <laughs> Bit more sympathy in the room. <laughs> Growing old was fun. You know, all the privileges, but growing up and the responsibilities to make good decisions... Uh, you know, that, that wasn't quite as fun. And Paul talks a bit about this in 1 Corinthians 13. Let's have a look at that. 1 Corinthians 13, which is our text for tonight. And here Paul says, after this great chapter on love, he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, When I was a child, everyone say child. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, everyone say man, or it could be woman for you. When I became a man, I put away childish things. I put childish ways behind me. Now, what is Paul saying? Is Paul saying, come on, grow up, you know, get serious, get old, lose all the joy of life? Is that what he's saying? No, 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 no. He's saying as you grow old, it's important that you grow up and you get rid of some of the childish ways that have been around in your younger years. Now, he's he's not saying don't be childlike, is he? Because remember, Jesus actually said we need to be childlike. Let's have a look at Matthew 18, if you've got your Bible there. Matthew 18. And we're going to read verses 1 to 3 of Matthew 18. Here, it says this, At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child and had him stand among them. And he said, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus is actually saying, as you grow old, don't lose a sense of childlikeness. Not childishness, but childlikeness. How many love kids? Aren't kids amazing? I mean, really, I love being around children, their, their sense of humor. They don't always get it right, but, but I mean, they're so funny. In fact, I was uh, speaking to some children's pastors recently, and I read a list of some children's doctrine taken from various Sunday schools around the world. And uh, you, you, you might enjoy this. Here's some kids' uh, view on the Bible. The first book of the Bible is the book of geniuses, in which Adam and Eve were created from an apple tree. Here's another one. Noah's wife's name was Joan of Arc. Or how about this one? Lot's wife was a pillar of salt by day and a ball of fire by night. How about this one? Samson slayed the Philippines with the axe of the apostles. Unleavened bread is, made for, is bread that is made without any ingredients. 
Moses went to the top of Mount Sinai to get the Ten Commandments. And the seventh one is, thou shalt not admit adultery. Here's another kid's tack on the Bible. Three, Solomon had 300 wives and 700 porcupines. And Jesus was born because Mary had an immaculate contraption. The people who followed Jesus were the 12 decibels. And this is my favorite. A Christian should only have one wife, and that's called monotony. No, not really. Not really. It wasn't my favorite. <laughs> Don't you love kids? So, so Jesus is saying, as you grow old, don't lose that specialness of a child. Well, what's Jesus saying? To me, children have a sense of wonder about everything. If you understand? That sense of wonder. I mean, you can, you can get your keys in front of a baby and go like this. And they are just enraptured with the jingling and that. You know, you do that in front of an adult, the wonders, the wonders kind of disappear. It's like, what's, what's up with you, you know? Kids have this sense, sense of wonder. Everything's special. It's like when we get older, we, we usually get just kind of bored, a little cynical. Kids are, are very open, if you notice that, very receptive, very teachable. As you get older, you can tend to be a little, a little bit more closed. Kids are very honest, have you noticed that? They will tell you what they feel. They will speak their mind. Remember, uh, many years ago, we had a, a visiting speaker who asked to come and give his story. And uh, he had, happened to have a love for country music, which is another one of those oxymorons. Um, <laughs> Sorry. And so before he spoke, he did this rendition of Achy Breaky Heart. You may have remembered it. And uh, everyone kind of, it had a bit of a high cringe factor, you know. Uh, anyway, got on with his message. It was a great story. Anyway, we, we back, back for supper. One of my kids was about 12 and, uh, you know, he, he, the visiting speaker walked in and, and, and my kid just, you know, just uninhibited. Uh, great message. Bummer about the song. <laughs> It's like kids just kind of tell it like it is. As we grow older, we get a little bit more sophisticated, don't we? In fact, often we get this kind of, uh, you know, appropriate niceness. We don't really tell people what we really think. Uh, kids have a sense of adventure, don't they? I mean, they'll take a risk. I'll never forget when Josiah was, a, was quite young. We went out with a youth group to a farm and David Turner was there with his peewee bike and all the kids were having a turn and, and Josiah got on the bike and, and David was explaining to him how to use the bike. Before David could do that, Josiah went and just took off quite excited but then he froze and he was like this we're all chasing him and he didn't know what to do and he hit the barbed wire fence did a couple of 360s came down 10 stitches later it was quite a dramatic event but but you've got to love the sense of adventure and risk when we get a little older we, we want to play it safe you know we, we don't want the danger we don't want the you know jesus is actually saying as you grow old don't lose that childlike quality but what paul's saying as you grow old make sure you put away the childish aspects that can really impact what's happening in your world now what's actually the deal with with childishness so you can grow old but never grow up david siemens a christian counselor puts it this way let's put this quote up on the board david siemens says this very good quote Many people who are chronologically adults are still emotional and spiritual children. Their quantity of birthdays may reveal their age in life, but their quality of behavior reveals their stage in life. Pretty good quote, huh? Ever, ever met a young person who's really mature? And ever met an older person that's not that mature? See, it's not your age 
It's actually what's happening on the inside of you. It's your maturity. Another great quote. Next slide. Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole. Oh, sorry. Did, did you get that quote, Nicole? We'll go back onto that slide just for you. Nicole's still writing. Many people... Get the CD. Many people... Actually, I'll give you a photocopy of this notes. You, know? you can preach it one day. Many people who are chronologically adults are still emotional and spiritual children. Their quantity of birthdays may reveal their age in life, but their quality of behavior reveals their stage in life. Next quote, Dr. Edwin Lewis Cole, great speaker, uh, passed away a few years ago. Maturity does not come with age, but with the acceptance of responsibility. Don't you love that word? Maturity doesn't come with age, but with the acceptance of responsibility. So, so what's one of the key indicators of someone that's put away childish things and is now as a mature person, hasn't lost those childlike qualities, but is living with a sense of maturity. And it's right there in this quote. It's learning to take responsibility for our lives. One of the major characteristics of someone who's childish is they tend to continually blame others and make excuses for what's happening in their life rather than taking responsibility for it. We see this in the Bible. Remember Adam? Remember Adam? Uh, You know, he... Simple command, uh, see this tree, don't eat of that tree, rest of the trees, fruit, uh, help yourself. Of course, they ended up eating that tree. God comes down to Adam and says, Adam, what did you do? How many know Adam did not say, you know, God, I disobeyed you. I am so sorry. Would you forgive me? Is that what he said? No, 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 no. no. He, he said, you know that woman that on the day you brought her, I said, whoa, man. Um, yeah, well, the woe is kind of gone. And man, it, it, it's her fault. That, that woman, if you wouldn't have given me that woman, I wouldn't be in this predicament. He immediately blames the woman. Of course, God comes to the woman and says, uh, what's happening, Eve? She does not say, you know what? I actually blew it. I disobeyed you. She doesn't say that. She says, you know that serpent? It was the serpent. Starts blaming the devil. Of course, the devil, God talks to the devil. The devil didn't have a leg to stand on. <laughs> a very old and corny joke. Serpent, he, he's, he's got nothing to say. Right from the beginning, we've got this passing the back. It's somebody, it wasn't my fault. We see this all through history. In fact, one of the funniest ones is, is in Exodus. I don't have this on the PowerPoint for you. You might have to turn there. Exodus thirty-two twenty-one. You remember the story of... Uh, Moses went up in the mountain, you know, he's getting the Ten Commandments and uh, Aaron's down in the valley and it's taken so long. And so they make this golden calf. Look what happens when uh, Aaron is confronted about what he had done. Exodus 32 verse 21. Moses said to Aaron, what did these people do to you that led you into such great sin? Listen to his answer. I'm in Exodus 32 verses 22. Do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold. I threw it into the fire and out came this calf isn't that a classic i threw in the fire and out came this calf wasn't me wasn't me you see this with saul god said kill all the amalekites and all their sheep and and all the cattle and samuel comes down and he's what's going on i I, I told you to kill all the you know the cattle he said no no the soldiers they they took some of the, the cattle You get over to Pilate and uh, listen to what Pilate has to say. 
Matthew 27, verse 24. This is the uh, trial of Jesus. When Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, uh, instead there was an uproar starting. He took water and he washed his hands in front of the crowd. He says, I am innocent of this man's blood. It is your responsibility. What is he saying? Not my responsibility. One of the marks of immaturity, of childishness, is we want to blame everybody else rather than say, it was me. Uh, another kid's story that you've probably heard before, one of our kids, uh, when, we were, when he was, he, I've already hinted at which two of the three it could be. Uh, one, of our, one of our kids, when they were a lot younger, we were sitting in bed on a Saturday morning and just sleeping in a little bit, and he walked into the room and with a serious face said, Dad, someone wet my bed. And uh, trying not to laugh, I said, what do you mean? You were the only one in your bed. No, 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 someone wet my bed. I said, well, uh, you were the only one in the, in the bed. No, no, it wasn't me. Someone else must have got in my bed. <laughs> Are we all a little bit like that? I'm a little bit like that. Just, just a few months ago, I had a, had a day off, and we're having some people around for dinner. And Nicole left to do some shopping. She said, honey, at 4.30, I need you to turn the oven on. 4.30, really important. Yeah, 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 no, no worries. So um, she heads out, I'm, I'm doing some stuff and a few jobs, email, a couple of phone calls. And suddenly I look at my watch, it's 10 to 5. I thought, I'm dead. <laughs> Quickly go on, turn the oven on. Whew, you know. 15 minutes later, phone rings. Hi, honey, how you going? Yeah, 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 the oven's on. 4.30? Uh, just a little bit afterwards. <laughs> oh, look, 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 uh, s- s- someone rang. Uh, you know, it's, it's so difficult to actually... Hey, Chris, to say it, I forgot. <laughs> now, are you laughing at me or with me tonight? <laughs> it's so difficult to actually take responsibility for ourselves. It's so easy to say it's someone else's fault. And yet God holds each one of us personally responsible for our lives. Let's look at Romans 14 verse 12. Let's put that up on the screen. Romans 14 verse 12 puts it this way. Why don't we read this together? Here we go. One, two, three. Yes, each one of us will give a personal account to God. What a powerful statement. Each one of us will give a personal account to God. Uh, Stephen Covey, who's written a very good book called The Seven Habits of Effective People, says one of the keys to a person living an effective life is they are a proactive person rather than a reactive person. In other words, instead of blaming and becoming a victim to other people, the environment, or circumstances, they are proactive. They take responsibility for their life. Responsibility is responsibility. The ability to choose our response. Between what happens to you and how you respond, there's a moment, there's a pause where we choose our response. You can't control what people will do to you, what's going to happen, what's going to come your way, but you can choose your response. And people who are effective in life focus on what they can do rather than what they can't do. A good way to represent this, some of you have been looking at this hula hoop all meeting and wondering, what is he going to do with that? You probably uh, didn't get anything I said to this point. Hopefully you did. I'm not going to do the hula. That's one skill I don't have. If you could view your life as all fitting in to one of two circles. We've got this small circle here. And let's let's, let's let this circle refer to things that you can control. And let's allow things in the outer circle to represent things you can't control. And so all of your life is either going to be within your control or outside of your control. And so let's just have a little test. Uh, Where would you place the weather? Which circle? Definitely out here, isn't it? Especially in Melbourne. 
I mean, you, you can't control the weather. You can pray for the weather. Uh, you can pray, but, but you can't control the weather. Um, where is your sports team's performance? Can you control that? No, it's, it's definitely out here, isn't it? You can yell, you can scream, you can cheer, uh, but, but, it, but, it, but it's out here, isn't it? Um, where, where is the election result? Is that within your control? Yeah, yeah? okay, cool. You reckon? There's, there's, there's a liberal supporter. And I'm sure there are other varieties in the room. You know, the election is actually not within your control. You can't totally control the outcome. Uh, you can be concerned about it. You can influence it by your vote. But the final decision will be beyond your total control. Uh, where, if you're a parent, where is your toddler? Is your toddler under your control? Really? Is your toddler under your control or is it out of your control? Could I suggest that it's actually not in your control? It messes its pants without asking you. You're not controlling that. It it cries without asking you. It's not within your control. In fact, when you're not a parent and you see someone in a shopping center and the, and the little toddler's throwing a tantrum, you think, yeah, terrible parent. When you've got your own kids and your kid's throwing a tantrum, you think, terrible child. <laughs> yeah? Your toddler, you cannot control when they'll cry. Well, the parents in the parents' room are, are, are nodding. <laughs> Where's your teenager? Way out of control, right? <laughs> your teenager's not in the circle. If you're a single, where's your roommate? Are you, are you, control, are you able to control them? If, if you're married, uh, where is your spouse? Are they under your control or out of your control? <laughs> I spent many years of my marriage trying to get Nicole into this circle. But she's out of control. No, out of my control. <laughs> Your spouse is actually not in the circle. <laughs> Where, where's your boss? If you've got a job, where's your boss? Out. Where's your employees if you're a boss? Out. N- now, so what's in the circle? <laughs> what's in the circle? You. The only thing in the circle is you. The only thing you have total control over is yourself. You may be concerned about a lot of other things and you can have influence on them, but you don't have control over them. Now, listen carefully. That's good news and bad news. It might sound like bad news. The good news is you're only totally responsible for what you have total control over. John Maxwell says this, we are responsible to people, but not for people. Think about that. As a parent, I am responsible to my children to train them in the ways of God, to love them, to care for them. But they eventually are responsible for their own lives. They have their own circle. For Nicole, I'm responsible to love her, care for her, uh, endeavor to to give godly leadership to our home. But she's responsible for her own life. Are are you with me? As a pastor, I'm responsible to this church to endeavor to, to lead well, to preach God's word. But you're responsible for your own life. My primary responsibility is right here. I can influence, but you're responsible for your own life. That's very freeing when you actually get a handle on that. Now, what's my point? If we're going to grow up rather than grow old, we've got to focus our energy on ourselves rather than all of the things out here. 
You with me? St. Francis, let's put his quote up. St. Francis puts it this way. God grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Everything outside the circle. The courage to change the things I can. Everything in the circle. And the wisdom to know the difference. Pretty wise, huh? In our final few minutes, let's just talk about taking responsibility for your own life. So you are a spirit who has a soul, mind, will, and emotions, and who lives in a body. And if you can get responsibility and control and leadership over your own life, you'll find you'll influence the rest of your world very positively. Let's uh, just take a few thoughts on each one of those. The first area we have to get responsibility over is, uh, as, as our spirit rules, is in the area of our soul. Gomer talked about that tonight. And it begins with our mind. Your mind has a flurry of thoughts going through it all the time. Thoughts from God, thoughts from the enemy, thoughts from yourself. And although we need to listen to our thoughts, we cannot allow our mind to rule our life. We have to take leadership of our mind. Amen? We have to direct our thinking. In fact, your life will be shaped by your thoughts. Someone once said, sow a thought, reap an act. Sow an act, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Your destiny all starts with how you think. And so we have to take responsibility. I can't control what you're thinking, but I can control my own mind. Romans 12 verse 1 to 2 says, be transformed how? By getting everyone else to act their age? No, by renewing your own mind, by taking responsibility. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 to 5 says, take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so as you're going through life, there's all kinds of thoughts, negative thoughts, positive thoughts coming through your mind. We actually have to give leadership to take control of our thinking. And often it's not what other people are doing. It's not what's happening to us. It's how we're thinking about it that is the key of our life. And if we will simply take responsibility for our own thoughts, don't allow them to become negative or pessimistic, but begin to renew our mind by the Word of God, as we begin to change ourselves, we influence our environment. So we've got to lead our mind. We've got to also lead our will. Our will is the decision-making part of the way God has created us. We make resolutions and determination. Sometimes our will wants to do stuff that we actually have to say no to. Other times we need to do things and our will doesn't want to do those things. Remember Jesus in the garden? (laughs) He says, Father, if you're willing, I'd like to kind of skip the cross. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. There are some times when actually our will doesn't want to decide, and yet it's the right thing to do. Sometimes the right thing and the hard thing are the same. And so we actually have to take control and give leadership of our decisions. See, where you are today is a result of the decisions you made yesterday. And where you'll be tomorrow is a result of the decisions you'll make today. Our will, our decisions, I can't control what you're going to decide, but I can control my own. One of the key qualities here is the quality of initiative. Everyone say initiative. Let's put a great definition up on the screen. Initiative is recognizing and doing what needs to be done before being asked to do it. What a great definition. Come on, read that out with me. Initiative is recognizing and doing what needs to be done before having to be asked to do it. Oh, I tell you what, this is the key quality of leadership. He's not having people out here having to remind me all the time, but me starting to take responsibility for my life. Maybe you're a teenager here and you're tired of your parents nagging. Clean your room, clean your room. Just a little tip. Take initiative. Recognize that it needs to be clean and clean it before being asked and you'll probably not hear any nagging. 
Parents, that was a great chance to say a big amen. If we work on ourselves, we can actually affect what's happening in our world. Um, I had a little experience like this. You know, uh, one of the few things I do around the house, actually I do a few, but uh, is, is make sure the bins go out on Thursday night. And uh, you know, after a while, I got a little tired of Nicole saying, have you put the bins out? Every week. Have you put the bins out? Have you put, every week. Have, have you put the bins out? And then go. You know, so I decided to grow up. And so I, 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 I keep my world in the Outlook calendar. So I put a little note every Thursday morning, put the bins out. And, and so I took some initiative. And I remember the first week when Nicole actually said, honey, would you put the bins out? I said, they're already out yes yes oh that felt good now now i've drifted a little lately so we won't milk this point too much but you know if we would just take initiative responsibility get our will and begin making the decision often we're waiting for life to happen rather than actually creating what god wants us to actually see accomplished some of you you'd all agree i'd love to be financially free i'd all like great friends we'd all got a lot of wishes but often things are a decision waiting to happen so your future uh, your destiny is determined by your decisions not your conditions so our spirits are to give leadership to our mind, to our will, and then to our emotions. Boy, our emotions are important. They're indicators, and we need to listen to our emotions, but we're not to be ruled by emotions. Amen? Negative emotions will come, but we've got to decide what to do with them. I see emotions, uh, we have a whole range of them, almost like a, a, a TV with many channels. And sometimes the channel will just flip by itself onto a negative emotion. We feel this anger, or we might feel this bitterness, or we feel depressed. Uh, you know, you can't control those emotions coming into your, into your soul, but you can decide to keep the channel on or to change the channel. It, it's your decision whether you stay on that channel or not. Some people are just on one channel all the time. And sometimes it's negative. You know, there's a whole range of emotions available to you right now. A whole range of channels. See, we don't want to be a victim of our emotions. We want to give leadership to them. You know, you could feel bad right now if you wanted to. Just, it just take time to think about all the bad things that have happened in your life. Just begin rehearsing. Have you ever been to a bad movie? Would you go to that movie again? Would you hire it? Would you buy it? But see, many people do that with their life. They replay all of the hurtful experiences in surround sound, in high definition. <laughs> and they pause it and then they, re- they replay what they said and what they did. You know, if you'll just think of all the bad things that have happened to you, you can feel bad right now. In fact, if you think about all the bad things that could happen to you, you can feel bad in advance. <laughs> you can actually turn to that channel right now. On the other hand, you can turn to a channel that will release joy in your life. You just start thinking of all the good things God has done for you. That's what praise is all about. Start remembering all the good things God has done for you. And an attitude of gratitude releases joy. Start thinking about all the good things God's got in store for you. You can turn to a channel of joy just like that. You really can. You say, where's that in the Bible? It sounds a bit like pop psychology tonight. (laughs) Philippians 4 verse 4. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord when you're having a good day. Other days it's okay not to. Is that what he says? Rejoice in the Lord always and again I'll say rejoice. Now come on Paul. I mean you don't know what's happening in my world. Well you know he was writing to the, the saints in Philippi. I'll get out of this circle in a little while. Um, 
He was writing to the believers in Philippi. Remember the story? I mean, Paul and Silas, they were preaching the gospel. Some woman was following them. She was demon-possessed and yelling at them. They turned around. They cast out the demon. They got arrested. They got whipped. And then they got put into prison in stocks. How many think that's a bad day? That's a bad day. All beyond their control. They could have sat in that prison and said, that stupid woman, if she would have just left us alone. God, where were you? We were actually doing your will. And these stupid police people, what are they arrested? And they could have blamed everything out here, but they actually took responsibility. How are we going to respond? They actually began to sing. All that negative, they began to praise God. And as the old black preacher said, heaven is the earth, heaven is the earth throne and the earth, what is it? Heaven is the Lord's throne and the earth is his footstool. And the Lord heard them singing, began to tap his foot. On the earth there. And an earthquake. It's, it's, it's a good joke, but it needs a black preacher to <laughs> And there's an earthquake and they bust out. That's the church. And a church started. See, because the prisoners were listening to how they were responding in the middle of that difficult situation. Now Paul's in prison again. He could have said, stinking prison. God, we're... No, no. He says, rejoice. You can actually control the atmosphere of your heart and your mind. See, God's called us not to be thermometers that go up and down based on what's happening around, but thermostats who control the atmosphere of our world. Amen? This is one of the keys to growing up, not just growing old. It's learning to take responsibility for what I'm thinking, for what I'm deciding, and for what I'm feeling. It's very, very important. And of course, my body is in here too. I'm a spirit with a soul, with a body. And uh, our body, we need to listen to our body, but we need to give leadership to our body. First Corinthians 9, 27, Paul says, I beat my body and I bring it under subjection, lest I become a, a, a castaway. One translation says, I buffet my body. That's not I buffet my body. <laughs> What's Paul saying? I give leadership to my body. See, there's times when my body wants to eat stuff that I have to say no to. Right now, I'm on a 14-day Daniel fast. And there's been a lot of stuff coming around my world right now. I have to say no to. There's times when my body wants to sleep that I actually have to say, no, get up. There's times when I don't want to exercise that I need to exercise. There's times when you and I may have a sexual attraction that's not appropriate. They have to say no to. We have to give leadership to our body. Amen. Now, very, very simple, but very, very powerful. Most of us focus all of our time and energy out here on other people, on situations. On, they said this, if this, my boss. And, this, and we focus all our time and energy out here on things beyond our control. If we would focus on ourselves and begin working on how we're thinking, what we're deciding, what we're feeling, if we begin to take responsibility for our own life, we'll find we'll begin to influence our world in a powerful way. Let me, let me give you a, a final story just as an example. You may have heard it before. When I was in year 10, uh, I'd been in America for a number of years, came back and I went to Blackburn South High School. And I had a pretty strong American accent. I had to kind of change over there because if I said my name was Mark, they'd kind of call me Mike. Uh, so I'd have to say Mark, and so, so I'd be understood. So I had this American accent, so I came back to, to year 10, and uh, one of my classes was, was a PE class, and I had a German PE teacher, an old man. His, his name was Mr. Drouch, and uh, no one liked him. Everyone called him Mr. Grouch. And so as I came into that class, uh, he, very, uh, he said, oh, hi, what's your name? I said, my name's Mark. He says, oh, oh, oh. He, he picked up my accent. He says, oh, Yankee boy, huh? I said, yeah, yeah, I've been, been a bit in America. Well, 
as soon as he found out I was American, he went out of his way to make it very hard for me. Every time in class, he'd say, hey, Yankee boy. He never, he never called me by my name. Yankee boy. And he would humiliate me in front of people. And uh, I'd do a test and other kids would get an A and he'd give me a D. And, and he just basically took out a lot of uh, bitterness towards me. Now, how did that feel? Year 10? I tell you what, I, I was really angry. I, I hated that man. I thought, who, who, uh, what have I done to you? I hated him. My feelings, my emotions were negative. I, I, I wanted to quit his class. I wanted to drop out of that subject. I had all of these things happening inside of my world because of what this man was doing to me. And it, it was very difficult. And I remember sitting, talking to my mom, who was alive at that time, and saying, oh, just you know, pouring out what I was feeling. And, and then I said, well, what, what do I do? And we, we actually started to read some scriptures that said, love your enemies. Gosh, <laughs> You should say punch your enemies. You know. <laughs> Love your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you. And, and, and you know, I didn't feel like it, but as, as a year 10 student, I made a decision. I, I had to renew my mind, and whether I felt like I, I decided I can't control what this man does to me, how he treats me, but I'm going to treat him in a loving manner. And no matter how many times he called me Yankee boy, I'd say, yes, Mr. Grouch. I treated him with respect. I called him by his name. Everyone else called him Mr. Grouch. And it was amazing. Over a few months, I actually learned to not let his negative influence cause me to react in the same way. Now, tell you what, that was a powerful character lesson. Because how many know since year 10, I've had a few other people not like me? In fact, all through life, you have people that may say things, do things, and as a year 10 student, I had to learn, I'm not going to return the same spirit that's coming my way. I also learned that hurt people hurt people. See, he actually was carrying a lot of offense from the war. And I was just someone to take out his venom on. But you know what? Over that period of time, as I responded to him in a loving and graceful manner, I eventually saw that man's hard heart begin to soften. One day he actually called me Mark. About, about fell over. By the end of that year, he was, you know, giving me A's, using me. I saw that whole man's heart change. And so what am I saying? It's a simple illustration. Beyond my control, if you will focus on yourself, your attitude, your thinking, your emotions, your decisions, you can't control what everyone else is doing. But if you work on yourself, you'll grow. You, God will be on it. But you'll often then begin to influence the world around you. Amen? Very simple message. Growing old or growing up? We're all growing old, yes, but are we growing up? One of the keys to growing up is to put away childish, not childlike, but childish things. And one of the key childish characteristics is to blame and to focus on everyone else rather than take responsibility for our own lives. And so I pray tonight, maybe for you, you're right now got a Mr. Drouch in your world. Maybe right now you're focused on a whole bunch of stuff outside the circle that's draining your energy and really not accomplishing anything. Maybe tonight God's saying, you need to rethink how you're thinking. You need to make some decisions. You need to turn the channel of what your emotions are locked into. Whatever it may be, I pray that God would help you to make that response tonight. Come on, let's pray together. Father, thank you tonight. Simple but very powerful message if we can apply it to our lives. God, you've called us not just to grow old, but to grow up to take responsibility for our lives. I pray for every one of us here tonight. Lord, help us to realize what's in the circle. We have control and therefore responsibility over ourselves. 
Yes, we're responsible to others, to influence them, to love them, to bless them. But ultimately, they're responsible for their own lives. I pray tonight, Lord, for people in the room. You just help them. Holy Spirit, right now, apply this word to our heart. It's a general word, but right now, maybe there's a a, a person that uh, is offending you. Maybe there's a situation. Maybe there's something that's happened to you in your world. You've been telling you to blame everybody else. I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you begin to take responsibility for your life and see the blessing of God upon you as you do so. Just as our eyes are closed, just our last few minutes before we sing. Thank you, Father. You know, one of the most important decisions you'll make and one that you're totally responsible for is is your relationship with God. Uh, One day we'll all stand before God individually and we'll give an account for two things. Number one, what have we done with Jesus? Number two, what have we done with our life? And I'm sure in a, in a crowd like this tonight, there'd be some people here that have never made a decision to give or to surrender their life to God. You know, that's a decision only you can make. Your parent can't make it for you. Your spouse, your friend. It's a decision that you alone make. It's a decision to recognize your need for forgiveness and to surrender the leadership of your life over to God. So you may have come for a first time tonight, or maybe even a few times, or maybe you're here with a friend. If you've never become a Christian, you've never given the leadership of your life over to God, then tonight you're just a decision away from inviting God into your world. And I'd love the privilege of praying with you just before we finish tonight. And just while our eyes are closed, no one's looking around. That's you. I'd like you just to lift your hand up so I can see it, and then you can put it down, and I'm going to pray with you just in our last minute. Okay, just lift your hand up right now if that's you. Say, Mark, I'm not a Christian. I'm away from God. Would you pray with me? God bless you. There's a hand up in the balcony. Yep, I can see your hand. Anyone else tonight? If you're a Christian, come on, just be praying now. And I'd love to pray with you. Yeah, another person over to my right. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just a few more minutes. Either you've made a decision, you've got God in your life, or you haven't. And if you haven't, I'd love to pray with you just as we're about to finish. Anyone else tonight? Say, yeah, Mark. That's, That's me. Yeah, there's a man over to my left. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Another hand over there too. Great. Great. Just one more minute. Up in the balcony, down below. Been three or four people that have responded. That's so great. Anyone else, just before we pray, just go ahead and lift your hand up now, and then we'll pray together, and then we'll be finished. Thank you, Father. All right, for those that lifted their hands up, I want you to say these words from your heart. It's a prayer to invite God into your world. In fact, church, come on, let's say this together. Dear Heavenly Father, Thank you for loving me so much that you sent Jesus to die for my sin. I ask you to forgive me for everything I've done wrong. Fill me with your spirit. Make me your child. I will live for you. I will serve you all the days of my life. And when my life is over, I know I'll spend eternity with you in Jesus' name. Father, right now, I pray for those that said that prayer. God, would you come into their world? Father, would you begin to make a change on the inside? Would you help them begin to lead their life in the direction you have for them? Let today be the beginning of a brand new journey for you. Those that have drifted, Lord, today, Lord, this be a time of coming home. We thank you for what you've done in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more information, visit markconnor.com.au. Thank you.